0: Hello, welcome to, of course, Griff Talks Football, uh, your host, Griff here. And obviously, I'm a little behind. Um, but in this episode, I'm just going to be talk about, I'm, I'm just going to talk about and review the wild card games that happen. And then that leads up, of course, to the divisional round. And I'll review the divisional round the following day. Um, I will release that. I promise. Uh, but nevertheless, just to recap the wild card games, in the AFC side, it was uh, Texans versus the Bills, as well as the Patriots versus the Titans. In the NFC side, it's the Saints versus the Vikings, and then the um, Eagles versus the Seahawks. And then starting with the AFC, uh, as I figured it to be, or at least figured um, what was basically going to happen is that Houston was going to really rely on their star players but more particularly the offensive players. Um, you know, the, in that Bills game it was really a defensive battle th- throughout the game. Um, but what kind of changed uh, the tide was relying for at least Houston for them to get that win. It was relying more on on the running game, not the, not just the mobility of Deshaun Watson and the rate options and the QB sneaks and him just scrambling on the pass play when the play breaks down, but also giving the ball to Carlos Hyde. And then also, there are some plays where it was play action, but with Watson under the center, and they got some huge gains off of that. And it's not often that Houston throughout the season had ran those plays where it was QB under center, faking the ball and throwing deep. They have done play action, but it's certainly not their bread and butter. And it's certainly not the bread and butter when they use play action, where it's a QB under center. It's been the QB and the shotgun. Um, and this whole entire time leading up to this wild card game, Houston has really changed their identity offensively comparing last year. I thought last year offensively, they were far better um, in terms of running the ball um, just because they frequently, uh, or at least frequently, frequently they used multiple formations it, and they had Watson their center. Now, granted, he was coming off a torn ACL. I don't think that knee was fully, completely healed until the middle of the, the season. But, man, um, they didn't turn over the ball as often. And, again, they were really, really good ground team. Um, the offensive line, their pass detection was, was still bitter ass. It really was. And it was far better Compared to last season. But then again, their offensive identity changed to more pass-heavy team, throwing intermediate to deep routes. It wasn't relying much on the ground game. Now granted, Carlos Hyde, he got 1,000 yards rushing, which is great. But I don't think he got like 300 touches just like Lamar Miller last year. I think he was only around 280. Right? Um, maybe less than that because it was not a ground pound team. Um, and that has been Bill O'Brien's offensive identity throughout his career calling plays. Uh, granted, when he was the offensive coordinator for the Patriots, Tom Brady was a little mobile back then in 2011, but he, he's certainly not as mobile and athletic as, as Sean Watson. But when we when we see when we saw this offensive performance throughout the season, you can tell it's again relying on the passing attack, relying on the receivers to move the ball, relying on Watson's mobility. And in this game, it completely stopped. The Bills were prepared to defend and attack and not let. Houston get comfortable in their offensive identity. They were blitzing. I think they wa- they sacked Deshaun Watson seven times. They hit him double digits. They were getting to him. Again, they, Houston did not officially move the ball, really, um, um, until they decided to, again, run the ball. And with multiple formations, with a quarterback under the center, um, and then even when the quarterback was in a the shotgun, they did do some read options, but they also ran a lot of inside zones, which has been their bread and butter when it comes to running the ball, at least for this year with Houston, um, and really when the Bills then had to adjust to that, the play action started to become more effective. Watson was significantly was he was significantly hit less in the second half than he was in the first half, and that passing attack started to open up. It really did. And then for Houston defensively, they adjusted to the Bills' ground game, which was a lot of gap runs, and Houston started playing tightly, and they did some different stunt moves, different defensive line moves and attacks to adjust to the Bills' ground game. And once they minimized the Bills' rushing attack, they really forced Josh Allen to kind of carry the team on his back. And evidently, he did not do well up until late in the fourth quarter on that two-minute drive where he helped the Bills get in in the field goal range. Hauska made it, 19-19 overtime. And then it was the same thing back and forth. Um, The Bills were in field goal range until a penalty happened. And then Houston finally forced a three and out, um, or at least forced, or at least deny allowed third down conversion. Houston got the ball back, and then Watson made this miraculous play after they ran the ball a couple times and did a play action and hitting an out route to Kenny Stills, um, uh, where he was in an empty set, which was literally killing Houston that game offensively, is where he gets in the shotgun, And most of the time, when he's an empty set, he gets sacked or under pressure. And evidently, this happened again. A blitz came. Watson escaped two people that hit him simultaneously. Escaped to his right. Threw it uh, to Taiwan Jones, who caught the ball and ran it for almost 40 yards down the field. And then they kicked the game-winning field goal. That was it. But again, they were down 16-0 late in the third quarter. And again, they ran the ball. Read option, rushing touchdown. Forced a turnover, only got a field goal, forced another three and out, and then they finally scored another touchdown. Um, but it was really, again, a big play action pass, another big run game, uh, 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 run game, or at least picking up 10 plus yards, and I think almost 20 plus yards in one of the runs. And then a play action pass, touchdown pass to Carlos Hyde. And that's literally what Houston, or at least what had got Houston the win, was adjusting in the second half by running the ball. It really was. Because if they were trying to go past heavy and, again, try to adjust their pass protections, again, if you don't do anything to really help out your offensive identity, your offensive game plan or attack, it's literally going to fall apart. Because. The Bills' defense didn't really change their off their defensive identity, which is, in, at least in pass rush, has always been four down linemen. And then occasionally they did blitz when Watson started to become more mobile and started to gain rushing yards. Um, and so again, you saw this, and I'm, I'm I know I'm repeating, but just saying. Houston changed a little bit in terms of their offensive attack. Evidently, they did enough to get the win, and they moved on and evidently lost to the Chiefs, which I'll talk about more in my next episode tomorrow afternoon. It, it still pisses me off to this day. Um, and then for the other AFC wildcard game, the Patriots and Titans, One, two of the biggest factors what led to the Patriots losing was, one, not adjusting well enough to the Titans' ground attack. Right, Tannehill literally only threw the ball like 15 times in that game, and it was just Derrick Henry the entire time. Yes, they used other running backs in, such as Deion Lewis. They used other receivers to get the ball and run, but it was mainly Derrick Henry in that zone scheme attacking the Patriots' front seven, attacking their 3-4 scheme which is literally just mainly odd fronts. I think on occasion, the Patriots used the, um, I want to say it was either a 5-by-1 or 6-by-1 front, where they literally had six people at the line of scrimmage with a linebacker um, in a gap, or at least aligned in front of the center, five, five yards away, and they tried to adjust by making Derrick Henry go downhill, and evidently that didn't work. The uh, Titans online were still able to set the edge and still able to create gaps for Henry to choose from, in which, or lanes, not gaps, but lanes for Henry to choose from. And he still got five to 10 yards, um, which made it look easy. The other thing too, which has kind of been um, a fresh, it, which has kind of pegged the Patriots is throwing vertically, right? If that's not your bread and butter, like the Saints, for example, that doesn't throw the ball vertically, you do have, and it's still effective, you still have to have some plays where you throw the ball 20-plus yards down the field to kind of keep the defense honest or keep the defense from still crowding the box from doing either blitz zero or quarters coverage the entire time. because Remember, with cover four or quarters coverage, the safeties on corners are literally lined up. Um, I'm not saying side by side, but they equally line up between 8 to 10 yards. If they're running cover too deep, it's two safeties From 10 to 12 yards in either the corners are either man coverage or zone. If it's man, they're most likely tight to the receivers. If it's zone, they're most likely eight yards from the receiver. But Tennessee literally ran, I think most of the time, cover four, just quarters coverage. Because the Patriots did not really throw the ball vertically down the field, and it sounded like they didn't call plays vertically. It's just they couldn't hit on him. There was incomplete passes. I think an interception was thrown, uh, which ended, evidently became the last touchdown in the game, a pit six. Um, but man, there was, there was no, there was barely any separation from receivers either when it came to man coverage. And Patriots, at least in the previous seasons, were able to kill teams that ran man to man coverage on them. Because that was part of their bread and butter is quick passing attack. And if the team is in tight man coverage and not wanting to throw the ball quickly, you had an offensive line that can pass protect pretty well, and then receivers had the speed and exceptional route running ability to get off their man and find separation, right? But then also you can bring up the fact that the Patriots had multiple tight ends that they could throw to, but mainly Rob Gronkowski. All right. They did had weapons that were fast, like Brandon Brandon cooks back in 2017, but they evidently traded him to the Rams, which I felt like was a big blow. I really felt like they could have used Brandon cooks this year or even last year, but at, is kind of what doomed the Patriots. And so I do think Nikhil Her- Henry uh, or Harry is going to do better and adjust to this complicated offensive system that the Patriots run. I do think he's going to potentially become that vertical threat, but I also think the Patriots are going to look at multiple tight ends in the free agency or in the draft, as well as receivers in the free agency and draft, and to be able to throw the ball vertically. Um... But, nevertheless, congrats both on the Texans and Titans winning their games and moving on. And then, evidently, the, uh, the Tennessee Titans um, had defeated the Baltimore Ravens and by basically doing the same thing, which I'll explain more in, again in tomorrow's episode. And then, moving on to the NFC, part of the biggest reason why the, the Saints lost was, was key turnovers. Um, and I think it was mainly due to miscommunication, as Drew Brees had put it in one of his interviews after the game, after the Saints had lost, um, where the Vikings defensively were a not only able to get pass rush and get after Drew Brees, but b were able to maintain Michael Thomas, so they limited his catches. He was still, I think, he had seven catches in the game, but it wasn't his average. Or at least for this year, he was averaging almost double-digit catches per game. Or at least around there. He was literally getting 10-plus catches. Or at least some games, he would get 8 to 9. But he was still effective, right? But in this game, he was not really effective. So they kept him contained. And when the Saints tried to throw vertically, they did not get beat vertically. Not as often. Except for some of the big plays, which were by Taysom Hill. He found Ted Ginn for like 50 yards. All right, he made some big run plays, right? So the Vikings had occasionally given up, and the Saints had occasionally made these big offensive plays. But again, it was turnovers that kind of slowed down the momentum. And yet, also part of the reason was there was a, a key play. Now, I don't think one play defines the game or one play just ruins a game or whatever. It's got to be several plays. It's got to be several drives, right? But the Vikings hit like a 40-plus yard pass and almost scored on that play. And that was from Kirk Cousins to Adam Thielen. And that was because Marshawn Lattimore was, like, out. I think he got hurt on a previous play, and they just attacked that corner that was lined up on Adam Thielen and basically had no chance. Um, and then three plays later, third and goal, the Vikings scored a, touch, uh, a touchdown by Kirk Cousins throwing a fade route to Kyle Rudolph, who was a complete mismatch on Williams. I think he was lined up on Kyle Rudolph. And, um, and evidently the Vikings ended up winning that game. But man, the Vikings defense, they were able to get back, get after the quarterback. They limited Michael Thomas. And even though they occasionally give up, had given up big plays, they have forced turnovers. And as for the Saints defensively, it took them a while to actually slow down Dalvin Cook up until like the fourth quarter. Um, and I, They only forced, I think they forced two, only one turnover. I don't think Kirk Cousins threw a pick, but I certainly know that they forced a fumble because I do know it was like the first play of the game. The Vikings bootlegged and threw a flat route to Thielen who caught it and immediately just fumbled it after getting hit. So I do know that occurred. But man, at least the Vikings were more consistent offensively. You just felt like had the Saints not turn over the ball or had the Vikings not forced a turnover in certain situations, I do think the Saints could have won this game. But I feel bad for the Saints. That's another playoff exit and humiliating defeat. Not like blown out, but you know, and they lost to the Vikings two years ago off of Hail Mary. Then they lost last year to the Rams after, even though a pass interference is not called, they still called a pass play where they could have just ran the ball and eliminated all the Rams' timeouts. The Saints defensively still had an opportunity to force a turnover or not allow Rams to get in the field goal range, which then ended up leading to overtime. The Saints had the ball first, and they had an the opportunity to score a touchdown, but ended up throwing an interception. And then uh, the Rams kicked the field goal, 58 yards. And then now in this one, the Vikings had the ball, and they just traveled down the field, no problem, and ended up scoring the game-winning touchdown. So, congrats to the Vikings winning that. But evidently, we lost to the 49ers. And then um, the Saints—I'm not—I'm sorry, not the Saints. The Eagles and Seahawks—both uh, teams have dealt with injuries. But one team, literally the biggest contributing factor in this game was that Carson Wentz had exited the game early for a concussion. That was the biggest contributor because both teams were similar. Both teams, I mean, Seahawks had a greater running attack compared to the Eagles, but the Eagles had a ground game of their own that was at least effective for their offense. And they do run a lot of RPOs as well. But you can't exactly run an RPO with um you know a 40 year old quarterback at least is not effective because because in case the pass isn't there you could run uh with a quarterback but i think that might be illegal lineman down the field so i'm not sure that's actually effective i don't know i have to recheck the rules there but also when you don't have your healthy receivers you don't have your best receivers um you can still try to run an rpo it just may not be as effective um, you know, for example, you have a receiver that runs a 4-4, but he's hurt, and you're replacing that receiver with another one that runs a 4-6 and may not have crisp route running, it may not be effective running an RPO. But nevertheless, that was that's part of the Eagles offensive identity is the RPOs in inside zones. Um And then of course quick passing. But evidently both teams have been carried by their quarterback. It just so happens that one team lost theirs and the other kind of maintained theirs. Then lose Russell Wilson to injury. He still stayed in there and ended up winning 17 to 9, right? And by the way, the other scores in the game again. Texans won 22 to 19 against the Bills. The Titans won 20 to 13 against the Patriots, and then the Vikings won 26 to 20 in overtime against the Saints. And in this game, again the Seahawks won 17 to nine. But that was the biggest contributing factor. Otherwise, both teams' rushing attacks were ineffective. But the biggest contributing factor. Other than the quarterback, was at least one team was able to effectively hit play action, and the other was not, and it did just enough to win this game. And in a lot of ways, I felt like the Seahawks-Eagles game felt very similar to when the Seahawks had played the Packers um, last night. Um, now again, Seahawks were dealing with injuries, um, and the Packers weren't necessarily dealing with injuries either. Um I mean a couple of defense players went down when they came back in the game and played their ass off um but with the Packers uh it just sometimes it's been inconsistency on both sides which could be an attribute, which again could have a similar effect like an injured player where it's not your most effective day whether it's a player that you have in there that ran a 4-4 but is now hurt, so you can't exactly call the routes you want with that particular player, you can certainly do your best with your play calls with other players and that be that may not be as fast or as athletic. Or if you're looking from a defensive standpoint, may not have the best technique, so you got to be cautious there. And then if it's inconsistent, you're trying to find anything that really works out with the players that you have. And so that's what kind of felt like in that Packers-Seahawks game was just inconsistencies, but it it definitely shows that the Packers were five, by far not only the better team, but also were the most healthiest. Um, and evidently, when you have a receiver like Devontae Adams and there's nobody to cover him, that kind of aids you in your favor for winning this game. But again, I'll talk all of those divisional games tomorrow afternoon. Thank you so much for listening, and have a kick-ass day, y'all. Hopefully, the New Year's has gone well for you, but nevertheless, have a kick-ass day.